Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. What motivates us to practice our faith? What gives us motivation to go to Mass every Sunday, to pray every day, to perform the corporal and spiritual works of mercy? Is it true love for Christ and His Church? Is it for the kids? Do we say, well, I go to Mass every Sunday because of the kids. I want to be able to teach the kids how to practice their faith. Maybe our motivation is fear, fear of God. And what will happen to us if we don't go to Mass or pray every day? This weekend, all three scripture readings talk to us about certain aspects of our faith. In the first reading, we are reminded of the potential danger of a lack of faith. In the Gospel, Jesus teaches us about certain requirements or aspects of our faith in Him. Finally, in the second reading from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, Paul teaches us how to practice our faith every day. In the first reading, we have the Israelites wandering in the desert. Now, God has literally saved the Israelites' lives. He has rescued them from slavery, taken them out of Egypt. He has parted the Red Sea, and he has allowed now the Israelites to come into the desert, safe and sound, free from the Egyptian soldiers that were pursuing them. And yet, what happens? They get into the desert, and there's nothing there. There's no food or water. And because of the Israelites' lack of faith, they immediately get angry, and they turn on Moses and God. Listen to how the scripture reading begins. The whole Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, Would we have died at the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt? as we sat by our flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. But you have led us into this desert to make the whole community die of famine. Well, the Israelites are now angry with Moses as well as with God. It seems that this great escape that the Israelites made from Egypt now appears to all be in vain. The Israelites are basically saying to Moses as well as to God, what good is it for us to be liberated from our slavery only for us to now die in this deserted and desolate place and die a very excruciating death by starving to death. Essentially, the Israelites now are regretting even leaving Egypt. They think that they were better off in Egypt. Granted, they were slaves, but at least they were fed slaves. And yet, how does God respond to this? He says, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites, Tell them in the evening twilight you shall eat flesh, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread, so that you may know that I, the Lord, am your God. Now God does not get angry. He does not lose his patience. No, not at all. Why is this? Well, good parents know 
that maturing is a slow process for a child. And yet parents patiently and diligently keep working with their child. So that child matures to adulthood. And see, that's exactly what's going on right now with God and the Israelites. God knows the Israelites are in some ways like adolescents in their faith. They need to continue to work in order to mature in their faith and their trust in God. A mature faith would know that God will provide for all their needs. And so, God continues to patiently and diligently work with the Israelites, knowing that their maturity will be a very slow process. And see, herein lies a powerful lesson for each and every one of us. Each and every one of us is growing toward our own mature faith and maturity in Jesus Christ. And therefore, it's a lifelong process. It's not something that happens over the course of a year or a couple years. As long as we are a pilgrim church wandering through the desert of our own lives, we must always be working diligently and patiently with God, who wants nothing more than to see and have us develop a mature faith. And so God does provide for the Israelites. He gives them quail at night and manna in the morning to eat. Now this manna has a very interesting characteristic about it. Moses will tell the Israelites later on that they must quickly gather up the manna as it falls from the heavens so that they can make bread from it. If they allow the manna to sit on the ground, after a while it will melt and evaporate. Furthermore, the Israelites cannot store the manna. If they do, it'll spoil overnight. Now, why is this? It's because if the Israelites began to store up a reserve of manna, they would no longer depend upon God. And see, herein lies the lesson that God is trying to teach the Israelites, that they must depend upon him for their survival, for sheer life itself. And see, this is what God wants. He wants to establish a relationship with the Israelites that is based upon life. He wants a life-based relationship with them, one in which God will provide for the Israelites everything that they need in order to live. He will give them food, water, safety, protection, and eventually the promised land. In return, God wants from the Israelites faith-filled lives. He wants the Israelites to put their complete faith hope, trust, and love in God. My friends, the same thing holds true with us. God wants from each and every one of us a life-based relationship in which we depend upon God for everything, especially everything in the spiritual life. God will give us everything that we possibly need. He will give us Jesus Christ and our faith in him. He will give us the sacraments, grace, Jesus' body and blood, even heaven itself. What does God ask for in return? Faith-filled lives. That we too must place our complete faith, hope, trust, and love in God. And this is something that I think Jesus Christ is trying to teach the Jews in the gospel for this weekend. The gospel for this weekend picks up exactly where we left off last weekend. Remember last weekend, Jesus performed the miracle of feeding the 5,000. Well, now Jesus has dispersed the 5,000 and he goes his own way. And yet the Jews 
are in search of Jesus. Once they track him down, they descend upon him. And what does Jesus say to them? Amen, amen, I say to you, you are looking for me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. The people are not coming to Jesus in order for their spiritual needs to be met. No, instead they come to him for their temporal or their physical needs to be met. Essentially, what they want is a free handout again. They want another free meal. They want their bellies filled. And yet, how does Jesus handle them? Patiently and diligently. Next, he says to them, Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Well, what is food that perishes? Well, it's everything in this world. It's money, materialism, fame, fortune, pleasure, power, honor, all the things in this world that are passing. That is exactly what Jesus is getting at. That's the food that perishes. And therefore, he says to the people, don't work for it, which means what? Don't make those things the center of your life. Don't make those things the number one priority in your life, because if you do, you'll never be satisfied for that infinite longing that you have for the divine in your life. Instead, Jesus tells them, work for food that never perishes. And so what is that food? Well, it's Christ. It's our faith, hope, and trust in God. It's the sacraments. It's God's grace. It's heaven. It's all those things that God will never, ever take away from us and always give to us through Jesus Christ. And therefore, as Jesus says, we must work for them. And how do we do that? Well, we make Christ the center of our life. When we do that, everything in our life now falls into place. Everything in our life, our career, our money, our bank accounts, our family, our friends, relationships, whatever it is, now it is all in harmony with Christ. And when that happens, then our faith truly is maturing. It is intact, firm, and we are placing our complete hope, faith, love, and trust in God. And see, that's what Paul is getting at in the second reading in his letter to the Ephesians. Paul says, you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. And how do the Gentiles live? They live blinded to the truth of the gospel. Their lives, therefore, are centered on everything in this world. Money, materialism, pleasure, honor, glory. And therefore, Paul is telling us we cannot live like that. At the very end of the scripture passage for this weekend, Paul says, Put on the new self, created in God's ways in righteousness and holiness of truth. Now, this is a very profound statement that Paul makes repeatedly throughout many of his epistles. Put on Christ, Paul is saying. He writes about this in Corinthians, Romans, Galatians, and now Ephesians. Why is this statement so important for Paul? to continually be repeating it in many of his epistles, put on Christ. Well, when Paul says that, essentially what he's doing is he's telling us to renew our commitment to Christ, the commitment that we made at the time of our baptism, a commitment to live our lives in Christ. Part of the ritual of the rite of baptism is to place a white garment on the person that was just baptized. The symbolism is that now This person is clothed with Christ. 
And see, that is exactly what Paul is getting at. From the moment we are baptized, we now participate in the life of Christ. Our faith now has sprung to new life. And therefore, what Paul is saying, we must live out that participation in the life of Christ every day of our life. And we can, through faith, hope, trust, and love in God. I strongly encourage you, please take some time this week and reread these three scripture passages for this weekend. You cannot afford not to. All three of these readings give us important aspects of our faith. They teach us about the danger of a lack of faith, the requirements of what true faith is, and finally, how to live it out. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.